Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Adventures in Angular. This week on our panel, we have Richard Sitorle. Hey, hey, what's up? Subrat Mishra. Hello. We have a new panelist that is Sonny Yusuf. Hola, hola, hola. Hello, everybody. Uh, I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv, and this week we have a special guest, and he's got like four names. Lars. I'm just going to say Lars Nielsen. Everybody knows who you are, right, Lars? <laughs> yeah, please call me Lars Brink. Lars, Lars Brink is okay. like the John Smith of Denmark. That's so right. 50,000 <laughs> of us out there. So <laughs> Lars Brink is fine. Just ignore the rest. <laughs> Good deal. I remember working my tail off to become a senior developer. I read every book I could get my hands on. I went to any conference I could and watched the videos about the things that I thought I needed to learn. And eventually I got that senior developer job. And then I realized that the rest of my career looked just like where I was now. I mean, where was the rush I got from learning? What was I supposed to do to keep growing? And then I found it. I got the chance to mentor some developers. I started a podcast and helped many more developers. I did screencasts and helped even more developers. I kind of became a dev hero. And now I want to help you become one too. And if you're looking forward to something more than doing the same thing at a different job three years from now, then join the Dev Heroes Accelerator. I'll walk you through the process of building and growing a following and finding people that you can uniquely help as you build the next stage of your career. You can learn more at devheroesaccelerator.com. Now, we haven't had you on the show for a little while. Do you want to just remind people who you are and why you're famous in the Angular community? Yeah, I was actually on the My Angular Story a couple of years mm -hmm. ago in 2019. And since then, I have been doing a lot of public tech contributions of many different types. Became a Microsoft MVP in developer technologies a year ago and this year as well. I've been writing a lot. I believe we talked about that on the, the previous episode where I joined that I was just about to publish my first articles on Angular in depth, as is what it was called back then. Since then, I think I've wrote, written like 30 articles on mostly Angular and I started speaking as well. So I've been uh, at different conferences, many uh, this past year even because of the like the COVID circumstances, there's been a lot of opportunities for speaking globally, but virtually, right? Mm -hmm. That's been that's been great. Currently writing a book about Angular Ivy. So also excited about that. It's coming close to an end. And I have started some open source teams, open source software teams called NG Workers with a few people from around the world. And we have published two Angular libraries this year. And I also founded a new community called uh, This Is Learning, which is for public tech contributors of all kinds. Nice. And you don't sleep, apparently. <laughs> exactly. That's my secret. <laughs> now it's out there. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm listening to this and I'm going, feeling more and more inadequate. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing all the community contributions. And maybe we should have you back on and just talk about how how to kind of sit down and figure out where you want to contribute, what niche you want to hit within the communities, because I think it's important for people to recognize, you know, where they can stand and where they can lift. But yeah, that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about the routing testing module that you pulled together here and wrote three articles about. Uh, do you want to just explain really quickly what the kind of inspiration and idea is behind this? And then we can dive in and start talking about the pros and cons of your approach here. Yeah, we're talking about the router testing module from Angular mm -hmm. itself. But yeah, the thing about that is it's barely documented and there wasn't a lot of content out there covering it at all. So 
I joined, I work for a software company in Denmark called Systemate, and we do a little internal development products, but also mostly like for hire, for contracts and stuff. So I joined as a contractor for some projects on critical national infrastructure in Denmark for electricity grid. So I was doing operational and planning systems in, in an Angular app. And yeah, the quality bar is, is pretty high there because <laughs> make a mistake and there's a blackout in, in Denmark, right? So so we were trying different things out on how to like get how to make good tests and, and get test coverage and which types of tests. And, and the one thing I couldn't get right was like how to test a whole as you could call it like a whole Angular feature or maybe a, a routed Angular feature module or, or something like that. So I was doing unit tests, isolated unit tests. I was doing some integrated tests with several classes and we were doing a BDD uh, using an end-to-end testing framework. So we had that covered as well, but I was missing something in between, something that was a little more lightweight than an end-to-end testing framework uh, so that I could test these like a whole, a whole area of the application, right? A whole scope or subdomain or bounded context, whatever you want to call it, it has many names, but it was a modular code base, right? It was a, a monorepo using the NX tool chain. So we had a nice architecture, but I couldn't quite figure out how to test like a whole part of that application without spinning up an end-to-end testing framework and, and the BDD framework we had on top of that Cucumber. So I, yeah, what did I do? I found a router testing module, but it wasn't documented. So I went to the source code and all the tests, and that led me to learn about <laughs> the router and all of its dependencies in Angular. There, there's a lot of those. So it was a bit of a mess to, to try to figure out. It was pretty complex. Uh, like, how do all these classes fit together? What do they do? What's their purpose? And how are they replaced with all these different testing modules, uh, including the router testing module. So yeah, I, I dug deep into all of that source code and the test and, and made a lot of experiments. And yeah, we can dive deeper into those topics and what the end result was of that. Yeah, you mentioned that it wasn't documented. And I was like, I mean, I thought you had invented it. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> okay, so do you remember Buddy. when Victor Sapkin was on the Angular team mm-hmm. years ago? Yeah. So he, he created an issue on the Angular GitHub repo about yeah something to do with the router testing module. Or maybe he didn't create it, but he commented a lot on it with different ideas because someone was asking, and I don't remember, maybe it was another person from the Angular team or something like that. But they were asking, how can we replace all these uh, various objects and data structures for th- that are used for the activated route service? Uh, it has many different data structures, they are nested. So they're really difficult to create in an isolated unit test. And that was kind of the question. So Victor had a lot of different ideas, but then as we probably know, uh, most of us, he, he left Google and created the Narwhal company. Uh, but the issue is still out there. And <laughs> years <laughs> later, right? it's probably four years ago. And yeah, of course I, I went into that issue as well and got some inspiration and had some good ideas. So yeah, now there's an issue to document uh, the router testing module, but it hasn't been done yet. So the, the most extensive content covering it 
would probably be my three articles on Deaf Community. The uh, This is Angular publication on Deaf Community. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Well, yeah, hopefully we can get somebody to do that. You want to be our hero, folks? <laughs> so, so let's just dive right in. I mean, how do we get started then with the r- router testing module? Like, how, how do we pull this in and start testing this without, yeah, getting that end-to-end stuff going, either with Cucumber or uh, Cypress or whatever? So there's many things that the router testing can help test. I created an article for three of the different concepts. One is a routing component, one is a routed component, and one is a route guard. So who's familiar with those concepts? Yeah. 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 The concepts. They all said, yeah, and I made a face like, um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, you said routing component, route guard, and what, which one? There's a routing component and a routed component. So there's a slight difference between those two. And, and as you said, the router, route guards as well. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, I mean, if you, I don't know if you're going to touch on the difference between a routing component. I, I don't know if you're coming from just a expressional point of view or more. Actually, this is something that you coined. So I, I'm willing to hear about those two. So you'll find those concepts mentioned in the Angular documentation. If you look into the testing guides, mm-hmm. um, there will be a few examples of this. And you can you can choose to test it as kind of a unit test, an isolated unit test, if you have one of these, or you can do more of an integrated test. And I do both in my articles, and then I compare the the techniques, and then you can decide for yourself which one you prefer, or maybe both, right? But the difference between them, the Angular routing component, that is a component that routes to another component or another route when something happens, like you click a button or, or link or or maybe every five seconds, it will uh, navigate to another page just to mess with you or something like that. <laughs> that's, a, that's a routing component. So it will either have the router service and call navigate by URL and navigate, or it will have a router link directed with the route uh, in its template. Okay. So both right. of those will result in a routing component. Mm, okay. And I'm guessing the routed component is the one that is the destination. So that's where the for child or for root or whatever, where where you eventually will lead you to the, the where you can get the activated route service to to get those details. Exactly. A routed component is the target of a route. So it's mentioned in the route configuration. Mm, okay. Yeah, I just wanted to be sure because that's kind of what I had in my head. But um, so thank you very much for that. And then finally, the route guards, we don't use them as much, but they're very powerful when we need them. Usually they're mm-hmm. used for like security, like authorization and authentication, mm-hmm. but you can do some other interesting things with them. Mm-hmm. So, can you please give an example like other thing than authorization mm-hmm. or something? Yeah, okay. So the canonical example is like protecting routes that you have to be authorized, like you have to have logged into the system and you need to be authorized. You need to have access to that part of the system, right? Through your JSON web token or or whatever, something like that, an access code. Those are the canonical examples of of route guards, but you can also do route guards that prevent a user from leaving a route. Maybe they have some unsafe changes, right? That, That pattern where, oh, are you sure you want to navigate away because you didn't, persist this and mm, yeah. your changes yet. You can use a route guard for that. And I'm currently working on kind of a, a prototype for a, a product at my company. 
and we're using route guards for onboarding people so that when they enter the app, they're redirected over to the place where they can uh, create their profile. And it also manages all the state of, okay, so they have a profile. Do they have all the, like they have to authorize with the government to use this application. So there's a whole flow there of, of going between our application and a government solution and back again. And, and then the authorization can also expire. So there's also a check for that. So there's, there's a few things you can do with route cards. Yeah. Would a following use case be suitable for that? Um, I recently did a purchase online and part of that process was basically I selected a, I clicked the button and I was routed to my banking application, but like a subset of the application, just the login page where I had to enter my details. And then after I authorized on my hand, on my cell phone or my, my, my handset, then they were able to process whatever information that they needed. And then I was logged out and I, I continued with the, with the process. Would that scenario fit into uh, the use of Rootcard as you've described it? Yeah, probably. I mean, you would, uh, most likely you would integrate with their system, uh, similar to what I described, that you, you leave the app to go to another system, or maybe you have an embedded, I don't know, an iframe or web component or something mm -hmm. like that. But then you enter back right. into your app and now you can, there's another route guard to check that everything is in order now. And if not, you'll be sent there again to, to authorize on your phone or whatever, uh, two-factor of authorization or whatever right. you're using. So yeah, now, that, that, uh, you could use a route guard for that, the, the front end side. Right. So you talk, uh, you wrote about how to test that. Like, I can't imagine how you would even begin thinking about testing something like that. There's, it sounds like there's a lot of moving parts there. So can you just break it down in simple terms? Sure. So, okay, let's let's do a routing component. That's the first right, article right. I wrote about. Mm -hmm. And this is where you, we need to, well, as soon as we, we start using the router testing module, we have to realize what it's doing for us. But if we're doing an isolated unit test, we don't, we're not using the router testing module. Uh, we're testing the, the route cars more as classes, right? So how they interact with other services or yeah, like the, the router for navigating away or, or something like that. So that's one way to test it. But the, my question is then how much confidence does that give you that it works with the full, like in a full application? If you're, you have a lot of experience in this area of, of routing and the router services and so on, that you might have a good confidence while after writing the isolated unit test for your your routing component. But yeah, I've been I've been moving more towards integrating more in the framework, like involving more parts of the framework to get more of an a testing environment that's more similar to a real app rather than looking at just one component and no route configurations. Because the tricky part is, so this is a routing component. I'm trying to think like, what, what do we need here? Yeah, it, the routing component, it will either use the router link uh, directive to, to navigate uh, on a click, for example, or it will use the router service, the, the navigate methods on there. So you would have to replace that router service with a, a class with some spies so that you can verify that after clicking the button, your, the, it requests the router to navigate away or it requests the router link directive, but which one, right? So now we're starting to getting into your now, you you know about the implementation details now. 
and that's that's pretty common for more isolated unit tests. But it's also pretty fragile. I mean, it shouldn't make a difference to the user if you're using the router service or you're using a router link directed in the template. So it's not as good and resilient to changes of the implementation. I mean, these are implementation details if you're using the router link directive or the router service. And even the router service has two different methods. I know you had, what's his name? He's from Eastern Europe. Uh, he was talking about the router on a previous episode. And I remember you were discussing these two APIs, different methods, navigate and navigate by URL. But yeah, the, the main thing to know is there are two of them and which one should we spy on and which one should we make assertions on. For the user, it doesn't matter. For your, if you're testing this class, it does matter because it will only be calling one of them or even it will be calling the router link directive. And how are you going to assert in your tests that it has been triggered? That is a little difficult to do. So it is possible to do an isolated unit test or at least a component test uh, so that you're just rendering this one component in your in your test here, but not other components and not other routes. So you are kind of isolating the test around this one component and its route, but you're not actually, like you're not taking the full flow of navigating away to another component. You're kind of stopping up here and saying, oh, so it called the router service or it triggered this router link directive. And that means it's going to a different route. And now I can inspect which route, depending on which, which of the three options was used. Even the router link directive, uh, there are two variants of it. There's one used for buttons and there's one used for anchor elements, the links. So there's actually four different APIs you have to <laughs> be aware of to, to do it wow. this way. So th this leads me to think like there must be a, an easier way and one that gives me more confidence and I don't have to, it's not as fragile when I, if I want to refactor. And this is where the router testing module can, can help us. So I think I'll, I'll move on to, to explaining about how, how that makes a difference in this case the, for the router, routing component. The router testing module, it stops, as it's called, it replaces some of the dependencies of the router uh, because the router has a lot of different dependencies also coming from, from different Angular services. There's a, if you open my, the first of my articles, you'll see a whole hierarchy of dependencies. There's the router at the top. It depends on the location service from Angular, which depends on the location strategy, which is an abstract class that it can have several implementations depending on your app. And that depends on the platform location, which can also have several implementation. And that one then depends on the DOM adapter, which also has a few implementations. And that one, the real browser DOM adapter will depend on the window object for uh, events, global events in the DOM. It will depend on the history API and it will depend on the location API of the browser. So there's both the location service from Angular Common and the location global API from the browser. So all of those are intertangled together. But when we import the router testing module, we replace some of these. I'm trying to remember which ones are <laughs> replaced. Yeah, I, I think actually, yeah, the router testing module will replace the location service with a spy location. Mm. So it kind of cuts off all the other dependencies so you don't have to be aware of those or inspect them. So that, that's pretty nice. However, there's kind of a, a weird hierarchy between some of the 
some of these router-related classes in, in Angular, because the router link directive has a dependency on the router, but also directly on the location strategy. So that's another service. And I think this is leftovers from early versions of Angular. This is really like, it shouldn't depend on that. It should, it should only depend on the router, mm. uh, but it does. So the router testing module also replaces the location strategy with a service called the mock location strategy. So yeah, there's a lot of things going on. <laughs> so, so it took a while to figure all of that out. Uh, I was just taking notes for, for a while before I even started writing. And then I tried to visualize this in, in that article. So you can get a feel like visual learning is, is pretty good for most people. So you can get a, a feel for that hierarchy of dependencies and how the, the router testing module comes in and, and cuts out the dependencies and says, here's a fake dependency. Mm. We don't have to care about all of that because what all of that does is interacting with the browser to actually change the URL and change the history and the push state, all of those nav navigation and, and routing related APIs in the browser. So as soon as we cut them off in the test, the, the browser, let's say we're using Karma, right? The default uh, test runner with Angular, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's actually running in a browser. So if you change mm -hmm. the URL, you move away from the test suite. So that will be a problem. So we definitely have to use it with Karma, but even with Jest, there's an, there could also be an issue if you're not Im importing this router testing module because Jest is running in Node.js and Node.js doesn't have all of these uh, browser specific APIs, the location and history, mm -hmm. uh, they are for the browser only. So they're not in a Node.js uh, context. Okay, it's a lot of things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I think I'll be honest with you. This is the first time I'm hearing about like testing the because the router or the routing system. I'll be honest, and I'm probably like honest that I'm speaking for probably four out of the five people in this room that uh, there's only one person that that can test. <laughs> but <laughs> if we're going to be very honest, and it's it's because it's always like you know. You kind of test what's happening on this page. You kind of test what's happening on this page and you just kind of fix that. You know, the router is just going to work, but there are cases where you need that integration. You need, when, when Lars was speaking about onboarding, you were speaking to the choir. I've done that before, mm. right? I work in healthcare. So I've got to, we, we got to have users where we're creating users, but without an email address. All right. So that means you got to like have these usernames you're going to pass around and you need to know who's who. So the first time they log in, you need to uh, give them a more secure, they have to change their password to a more secure password. So you got to catch that in a guard and, and onboard them differently. So when you were speaking that you were, you were poking at my whole, uh, my nest and I was just like, Oh Lord, <laughs> that should totally be tested. And I'm, I'm, I, I like to think I'm, I'm the guy in the office that goes, things need to be tested. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm that extremist. And then here I am and I'm meeting you. And I'm like, Oh, well, damn, <laughs> you know, so it's really, really good to hear these use cases and see like, you know, sometimes you think you got it all covered, but you've just blown my head off saying, holy smokes, we should definitely be testing these, these intricacies. And now like, yeah, so I I'm taking away a lot from this conversation. <laughs> yes. So I just want to ask a simple question. It may be pretty simple for you. So uh, like for a normal developer point of view how to decide like should i test go for a unit test or should i go for an integration test uh, like what is what's yeah. the parameter 
Well, of course, uh, that onboarding flow that Sani was talking about, you can you can cover that with tests using an end-to-end -end testing framework. And that would be like as close to the real app as possible, right? So that that would be good. If you're comfortable with that, just use that. This this method of testing won't give you any advantages except for the speed. It'll be a lot faster, like maybe five, 10 times faster than the end-to-end -end testing framework. So that, that could also be valuable, right? So considering whether you should do an isolated unit test or more of an integrated unit test by using the router testing module, my recommendation would be to always use the router testing module between those two options. Because the isolated unit tests, they're really, really brittle and it's very difficult to replace uh, all these structures, the internal data structures for the activated route uh, service that will become relevant for the routed components and especially also for the route guard. You really don't want to be creating fake versions of them because they are there's a there's like in internal hierarchies in those structures. Uh, so they're pretty difficult to get right. And even especially if we go further than that and go like a whole user flow from I'm entering this thing, then I'm entering uh, this this form control and filling that out, then I'm clicking a button button, then I'm ending up on the second step of a wizard, for example. Now I'm filling all of that out. Uh, and finally, I, I end up in the, like your user has been created or whatever we're doing here, or your order has been placed. You can test a whole flow like that. Of course, that's easy, pretty easy to do if you're familiar with end-to-end -end tests. But the like the breakthrough here for me is you can do that with the test bed and the router testing module, but at a faster speed. And you also get like the flexibility of the test bed that you can go and replace small parts of, of your app or an Angular, or maybe mug up mug out some some native APIs, where that could be difficult in some end-to-end -end testing frameworks because you can't really replace individual parts of your app. You, you're booting up the entire application, and you can only replace some of the native APIs. And sometimes some native APIs are not really supported by the end-to-end -end testing framework, which makes it hard. So in this case, using the testbed could be a better option. So yeah, there, there's like trade-offs, right? Mm. Yeah, there's there's always trade-offs, um, I suppose. There, there was one thing that actually really jumped out for me when I was uh, going through your article last night. And it's something that you mentioned there, the router link. I remember, I think it was part the part where you were doing the integration testing the second part of the article. And <laughs> the thing that jumped out to me was that because we're using this magic strings where you have to declaratively uh, define the, the, the URL, you basically have to repeat or do the same within your test, right? So that got me thinking, like, what is then the alternative? Like, what would you recommend instead of using those magic strings? Yeah, so it's, it's an issue that most of us are not even aware of. <laughs> but when, when you point it out, it becomes pretty clear and you can't unsee it again. And mm -hmm. this is the issue, as, as you mentioned, that in our component templates, we have URLs for routes that are unrelated to this component. So the route itself is controlled outside of this component, maybe in a different module. But we have the magic strings smeared all over our templates often for using it with the, like with the router link directive or calling the router service. So what's an alternative to having the magic strings there? Uh, well, you could create kind of an object or a data structure, a tree of, of routes yourself. That's the like the low fidelity solution, low tech solution. Mm -hmm. But 
there's even a library out there called uh, Routes Hub or Route Hub or something like that. I probably mentioned that in the article. Yeah, it's called Routes Hub by Max Tarsis from Ukraine. So that's an interesting uh, one to to check out if you're interested in this uh, problem. Right. Yeah, because that's that's pretty interesting. I mean, if you look at, for example, the Tour of Heroes example on Angular IO, that's exactly you know that's exactly what they're using there as well. So that yeah, back me like just pointed me to wonder what what alternatives are there. But yeah, that looks like what sounds like a like a workable solution to to easily get around that. Yeah. Can you like can you see uh, why that it might be an issue to have? The routes as as magic strings in the templates typos. <laughs> yeah, for one, and and also if we're changing the route, and but that route is mentioned in twenty different components uh, scattered throughout the app, right? Right. So we don't have a single source of truth anymore. The yeah. route configuration should be the single source of truth, but it's not. <laughs> so, so this is similar to like state management. But for the routes, right? And, and this is where routes hub take it a step further and, and creates all the structures you need for, for having your route paths in an object that's accessible both from the template or from a service. So it'll be as easy to use as writing the URL in, in the template for a router directive, but it will be strongly typed and it will be it will allow refactoring or changing routes without breaking links in 20 different components. So that, that's quite interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think the idea of of enum TypeScript enums also comes to comes to mind. It's it's very useful, for, especially when it comes to maintenance and and refactoring your code. You don't have to do a, a full search of the entire code base and manually changing that and having a single point of of failure or, or refactor. Yeah, that that's definitely one solution. The problem then becomes composability, because. Would you then have one enum for a whole app or how would you distribute that across your app? Because one part of it needs to refer to the other part and its routes. Right. Okay, so just to try to uh, wrap up the part about routing components, uh, what we're looking for here is we're, we're interacting with our component and then the result is, or the outcome is, uh, among other things, that you end up at a different route. So you would, you would ins- inspect that by with a spy on the router service or a router link directive. And that's for an isolated unit test. For the integrated test, where you're using the router testing module, you can actually inject these two services from Angular, the router uh, service and the location service. And, and what we're interested in here is the location service. It has a path method, and that path will tell us what's the current URL. So that's the easiest way to check like which route did you end up on? You could also like go through uh, the router has this hierarchy of the, the active uh, components and routes. So you could go and inspect like which instance is the active component right now, but that's pretty difficult to, to navigate that tree of active routes. Uh, there should really be some helpers for that. <laughs> so, so there I would recommend using the path uh, method of the location service. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. So I can see here, like you have a, a different uh, library called Spectacular. Uh, yeah. So that's right. what's, can you just little tell about us? That what it is? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you, you, 
you'll have to stop me, right? <laughs> this is my baby. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so, so if we want to cover other topics, you have to stop me. Uh, so this is the result of all of this research. This is what I needed back when I joined that company and we wanted to have like a very broad and very extensive test coverage and even testing the same things, but at different uh, levels of granularity, uh, which is good. Like you're not picking just either unit test or P test. Like no, you're covering it on different levels. So Spectacular is the frame, the testing uh, library I, I needed, but it wasn't out there, right? There's a lot of Angular testing libraries out there. I guess what they have in common, most of them, is they all try to reduce the boilerplate code of setting up the Angular testing module with the test bed, because that's, <laughs> a, um, that's a piece of work to get that right. This was also the key for me here, was figuring out how to configure the router testing module because the router testing module, if you import it just the module, it will replace these dependencies, but it has a static method as well called with routes. And here you can posit an array of routes similar to what you would do for router module for root or router module for child, but here it is for root actually. So, but again, this was something that wasn't documented anywhere. And it was, I'm not sure it was even covered in the tests at least not maybe in an, a very broad integration test for, for routing in Angular. And they, they, these were like four years old. So, so it was interesting to see that not much has, has changed there, right? But yeah, basically Spectacular is the library that the testing library that helps you configure the, the test bed. Other Angular testing libraries do that, but Spectacular has some specialized, what we call here, test harnesses Basically, there's a function you call. There's one called create feature harness that will create a feature testing harness for a router, a routed feature module. So you get back an object uh, that has some helpful properties like uh, the location service, the, the router service, the inject uh, function uh, to resolve dependencies. It has a root uh, component fixture and a root component if you need that. It also has two other APIs, a pipe testing API for integration testing Angular pipes, and one called the application harness for testing bootstrap listeners and application initializers and configuration modules for kind of containing those. So those are kind of three APIs in Spectacular. And the most interesting one, and the one that's related to what we're talking about now is the feature uh, testing API, so the feature harness. So that will set up the router testing module and Angular testbed, and it will run some initialization. Uh, so what you do here when using that is you posit a routed feature module, say a dashboard module, and the path for that module. So that will be a string of dashboard. It has to be the same as in the application. And this is another reason for storing those route paths in a variable that you can access in parts of your code because tests also need, when you start to test this, you're also going to need the different route URL segments or the route paths. So you're telling Spectacular here that I want to test this routed feature module. Here's the module, here's the path for that as it's used in the app. And by doing that, you now have access to all the routes defined by that uh, feature module, all the components inside of it, all the services, 
although you're not mentioning any of these things. So you're importing it or passing it to Spectacular, kind of like what you would do in the for root, router module for root, right? You would say load children and, and the path that resolves the module, the import path, right? And then the route path, uh, say dashboard. So you're kind of giving it the same details as you would in a route configuration, but it then goes and sets up the test bed and the router testing module so that in the test, you now have access to all these routes and all these components, all these services that are defined inside of your feature. So that was my goal here, like saying, I want to test this whole feature, the heroes feature or the dashboard feature or the user feature or what do you know, right? So now with that set up, you can go beyond just testing one component and one route. So now you can actually enter the dashboard component route in your test. You can click on a tile in a dashboard and you can, you can verify that you end up in like a detail page for that tile. Maybe it's a chart, right? Maybe it's a drill down chart. So you can say, you can verify in your test that you're ending up in the right place. You can even continue from them and say, okay, so I'm drilling down this chart. And now I'm, I'm on the next component. Now I'm clicking the next level and drilling down another uh, level down the, this hierarchy of, of drill downs. And now I end up in the, the, the right place again. So you can create these uh, longer lived tests uh, similar to what you might want to do with an end-to-end testing framework. But you can also stop there and say like, I click this tile on the dashboard and I end up on the details page. That's one test. And then I have another test that starts at that point and goes beyond. Mm. Uh, because usually you want your test to assert one thing or a few things, usually as rule of thumb, just, just one thing per test. But you have the option here to like make a whole user flow in one test, one test case. And that's quite unique. It's, it's basically the only way to do this uh, without introducing an end-to-end testing framework. Hey folks, if you love this podcast and would like to support the show, or if you wish you could listen without the sponsorship messages, then you're in luck. We're setting up new premium podcast feeds where you can get all of the episodes released after Christmas 2020 without the ads. Signing up will help us pay for editing and production, and you can go sign up at devchat.tv slash premium. That is amazing. I, I actually, as I was going through the article, I, I didn't get the full sense of how powerful it is, but the way that you're explaining it now, I can see clearly how very useful that could be in those scenarios. Wow. So the spectacular cool. is spectacular. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the tagline is spectacular that's, angular yeah. integration testing. Yeah. That's a hell of a... We should have named this episode that. Spectacular. <laughs> spectacular. <laughs> yeah. It's a good yeah. one, man. There is another testing library out there. It's called Spectator. It's also a very good one. So yeah. Careful with the names, don't get them confused, because <laughs> they do different things. Uh, they're both very good, but they do specific things. Uh, Spectator mm -hmm. is older and has many more APIs, whereas uh, Spectacular is new. It's from this year, and it only has three APIs right now, but one of them is really powerful, this feature testing API. There is a missing piece here, also about the name. It was just, I really like that name so much that even though it was similar to an existing one, I had to keep it. <laughs> I actually had that, that question in mind. Like, how did you, how did Spectacular Library come about? Okay. And what, 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 what sort of, uh, what is your short and long-term vision for it? 
I was trying to get on something and now I forgot. Maybe we'll get back, back to it, right? But yeah, showing a short and long-term vision. Okay, so right now it's version 0.2.0. So it's, it's kind of a pre-release, but it is very stable. I've been working on this for a year. I'm using it at work in production. The only reason right now it's not in version one is I want to be able to tell you, give you a guarantee that it works with many different versions of Angular without having many different versions of the library, because that's something we managed to do with also the NG workers uh, library called Lumberjack. That's a logging library for Angular. We have one version of the library, 2X, that supports Angular 9.0, 9.1, and so on, all the way up to 12.0 with one version of the library. We have a very elaborate uh, CI workflow using GitHub Actions so that we're actually verifying every single aspect, like uh, using the library in an app, running all the tests without having a duplicate set of example apps and, and test, uh, test suites. We're running the same example apps and the same tests, but with 12 or so, or maybe it's 14 versions of Angular at this point. So <laughs> that's, that's a good topic <laughs> on its own, right? But I want yeah. the same thing for Spectacular before I call it version 1.0 because I want to be able to tell you, you can use it for every version of Angular from 9.0 and forwards probably. And right now, I, I can only tell you that it works with 11 and 12, as far as I know, but I can give you no guarantees. So that's why it's still in version 0 0.2. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Currently, I'm working on documentation because <laughs> you need good documentation and you need a logo. I have a nice logo as well, <laughs> created yeah, by yeah, Felipe yeah, Sombrano. So those are the three pieces, right? You need the library that does something useful. You need a good logo logo, and a nice name as well. <laughs> and you, you need documentation <laughs> so that people can figure out how to use it. Because as, as you might testify now, this is the library you didn't know that you need. So <laughs> I have to do a good job at explaining what it do, uh, does and, and, and how you use it, right? So, so right now, the next thing that you will see is a documentation website for Spectacular using Docusaurus. So it's just being worked on right now. I have it deployed to GitHub pages and I'm trying to cover uh, the three different APIs and the library as a whole. Other than mm -hmm. that- Oh man, this just- yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I was going to say, there's just a wealth of information and topics to, to discuss. Chuck, I think we're yeah. going to need to get <laughs> Lars back. He knows how to get on our <laughs> schedule. <laughs> Lars, you are welcome. Just hit that link and uh, yeah. yeah, schedule another one. Uh, I'm not sure that we finished our discussion on router testing either. Right, so. right, right. No, 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 no. So actually, Spectacular is one piece of the puzzle to do these like integrated feature tests for routed feature modules. What Spectacular doesn't do is it does not give you a way to interact with the DOM in a nice way. So you would still have to use testbed for that. That's pretty cumbersome if you've tried that before, like the, the debug element, like query for a directive, a query for a CSS selector and so on, and inspecting that and, and triggering events in the Angular testbed way is also difficult. But a nice way to go around this is testing as a user using that approach. Like what does the user see when they open this part of the application? Well, they see a text element that displays some information. You can inspect that or they see a button, you can click that. So when, when taking this approach, and this is the same as end-to-end -end test, right? 
you're not, we're not talking about in our tests components and services and all of that. We're testing like the whole app or this, it's just this one part of the app, this feature, but we're testing the whole package as the user would use it. So we can interact with the DOM, we can see what's presented in the DOM. And of course we want some side effects like storing something in local storage or opening up a WebSocket or sending an HTTP request uh, or maybe some IO if it's in more of a hybrid app or, or something like that. But yeah, so what we're, we're missing here is a nice way to interact with the DOM without having to know about components and, and that can be difficult to do with the test bed. So I would recommend combining Spectacular's feature testing API with the library called Angular Testing Library. Maybe you've heard about some of the testing library uh, family of libraries. It's by Ken C. Dots. He created the DOM testing yep. library and the React yep. testing library. And there's one for Angular called the Angular testing library. So it has similar concepts and it's adjusted for Angular. And Tim Deschreiber from the NGRX team is maintaining the Angular testing library. So those two, they actually fit very nicely together because the Angular testing library is focusing on one component. It also has a concept of navigating, but it's still, you can only have one route active at a time, uh, almost. If you wanted to include a whole feature, you would have to know how to configure something like the router testing module. So this is what Spectacular can give you and then the Angular testing library can give you ways of interacting with the DOM and, and seeing what's, what's rendered by your application and considering things like accessibility, semantic HTML and yeah. area roles and all that. So it's a really nice approach. Test as a user and having access to a whole part of the application. It's a really nice combination. So by listening, one question just came to my mind. Like, So if we are doing a lazy loading a module and then then you are testing then yeah, then how to do that our integration testing if our browser is not loading and as you as you also point out the problem in karma and node yeah so so lazy loading a module you actually don't need to do that in your test at least at least not the, the routed feature module i mean it's lazy loaded in the app but load children also supports just uh, passing a callback that leads to the module. Uh, so that would be eager loading or static, mm -hmm. transparent loading. Uh, you don't have to lazy load it in the test and it's, it's yeah. a bit difficult to do it. I tested that it works exactly the same way. So Spectacular doesn't lazy load the, the module as part of your test, but it'll work exactly as in the app, but it mm -hmm. can have lazy loaded routes itself inside of its nested routes and, and that should work uh, out of the box. So you don't have to worry about this. You can pass the, the class directly and it will set up this router testing module uh, in the way Angle expects. Yeah, that, that's cool. He's got so, us speechless. Yeah. That's <laughs> what he does. This, uh, yeah, yeah. This is what he yeah, does. Yeah. He, he's got you speechless. Yeah. Now you want to go and refactor that app that took you <laughs> three years to write. And you want to start testing every route and everything. Everybody in your office is going to think you're crazy, but you're not because Lars has told you to test that stuff. That's yeah, right. Do what Lars says. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm trying what to give you Lars a way where that makes it easy. Right? Yes. And that's what we need. We need something that makes it easy and convenient because then we will write those tests. 
Yes. That, yeah. That's what yeah. every Angular testing library out there does. It, it hides mm -hmm. away some of the framework and testbed boilerplate right. and encapsulates it it's in a nice API. And that's what I've tried to do here as well. I wrote all the code myself, but I had feedback from my uh, open source group, NG workers. They helped me shape the, and design the API so that it's the most convenient and, and easy to, to use. Right. Yeah. Uh, listening of NG worker. Sorry for deviating from the topic. So I think maybe our listener who is a developer want to know how they can join and myself. This is my question. So how I can join and start contributing on NGWaco. So is that any particular process? I just so I mentioned this uh, community for public tech contributors called uh, This Is Learning that I'm organizing. And you, everyone is welcome to join there. You just have to have the interest of learning and sharing in public. That's the only demand. And then we can help you. Like you can, you can have existing experience with uh, contributing to open source or writing or speaking, or maybe you want to learn how to do it and, and what's the good way to, to approach these different topics. So you can come in and, and get feedback from, from your peers here. Uh, there's, we have these publications and dev community. Uh, we have some public knowledge projects uh, in the works, a course for RxJS and some programming guides for Angle and other technologies. So what you would do then is you contact me uh, because right now we don't have a website, but that's coming as well. And then you, you'll get an invite to our, we have a private Discord server. It's, mm -hmm. it's private because it's the community of the writers and the contributors, but it's open to everyone who wants to join. So you just have to ask and tell me, I want to start contributing to open source or I want to start writing. Okay, come on in and we'll help you. So that will be one day, one way, uh, specifically for NG workers. You can also raise an issue or find us on, on Twitter. <laughs> so maybe I should mention the names. It's me, Lars Brink, and there's Santosh Yadav of India, and there's uh, Nacho Vasquez of uh, Uruguay, originally from Cuba. And then we have Serkan Sipai. Uh, he's from Hamburg, Germany, has his origins in Turkey. So we're kind of a, a dis distributed worldwide team. That, that's really nice in itself. Yeah. Um, I mean, so I know diversity is a great. Sorry, carry yeah. on. Oh, you can. <laughs> you no, I was just making a joke. I said diversity is a great thing, but y'all took it to the extreme. <laughs> 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 I, got, I got some of them. <laughs> All four corners are there. What are you trying to do? Like four horsemen of the, horsemen of the apocalypse? Like you know, take it, don't pay attention to me. We're in a nuclear safe distance from each other, right? So you cannot yeah. wipe out, you cannot wipe out any workers without wiping. The project out will continue. Yeah, 